to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you? If you need a friend, if you're desperate for a friend, if you gotta have a friend so badly you don't care who the friend is, super low standards. Any friend will do. May I humbly suggest myself. Hi, friend. Hardy White, Selfless Helpless Tape, number three, How to Make Friends and Keep Them. If you've mistakenly put in this tape instead of my other one, How to Make Golems and Keep Them, switch tapes now. How to Make Golems and Keep Them is about, of course, how to make a person out of clay and then using a strange mystical incantation, perhaps writing emet in Hebrew on their forehead, they come alive and they do your bidding. And I am really the first to come up with the Gollum family, where I made a whole little family of Gollums, not to do my bidding or go out and uh, obey my commands, but just to have around fun little joyous clay family and I made them in the chia style where there's rye grass growing in their heads and everything. They are, I think, just good company to have around and when I'm done with them I just remove a letter from their forehead and they go back to being inert. Oh, what if all people were like that were merely made of clay or something else? perhaps porcelain. I've had some friends I thought were made of fine china like that. Gosh, look at that. What are you made of? You ought to check out something a little more durable. Uncured Sculpey. Well, this tape is how to make friends and keep them. If you purchase this tape, I'm very sorry because it was free. And then two, I think you're probably alone. Because you're thinking, I need friends. Well, the great thing about it is this tape is your very first friend. It's a good friend to practice on. And you can take the tape and put lipstick on there, put little outfits, and just go around with it. And it'll listen to all your troubles. Don't put it in a recorder because you don't want to hear your voice coming back to you. Oh, my life is terrible. You'll hear it like that and you'll go, oh, is that me? And that might sense send you into some sort of period of self-loathing. That's not what we're looking for. We want your words to just disappear into the void after you say them and have the tape just smile back at you. I'm your friend. Now, a lot of people think that to make friends and keep them, you have to have money. Money's a big one. They think, well, if you have money, then you will get friends. You will attract friends like a magnet or something that's sticky and sweet. Well, that would attract flies, but magnets don't attract people either. So if we're going to extend this metaphor, let's just keep going. I don't know what it would attract, like a, a black hole. And then the friends will just come to you, and they'll disappear forever. Actually, they'll just be forever stuck on your event horizon.
of your magnetic personality. Oh, it's all mixed up in there, isn't it? But you don't need money or pies. A lot of people use pies. Say, I have a lot of friends because I make pies all the time. That's not a bad strategy. There are a lot of relations I have that are pastry-based. And I can say, well, I wonder what so-and-so's doing because they always have cookies or brownies or whoever. And some of them have, you know, actual pies, which I think are wonderful. Oh, the pie. There's all sorts of things you can put in it. Surprises, too. Pies are like friends, aren't they? How so? Some of them are really made of shaving cream and they're to be thrown. So I don't know. They're not at all like, like friends at all. This is going to be the first lesson. Don't compare friends to anything. Don't compare it to anything. We're starting with a tabula rasa. That's one of the first things you want to get your school supplies. So I'm going to the store today to get supplies to go to school. What's my first thing I want? I want a tabula rasa. Well, we've got the tabulas. It's got a bit, there's some writing on it, and somebody's used some highlighter. No, I want my rasa. Okay. But I'm just saying the used tabula is the way to go. It's been completely clean and erased. You won't even know. No. I want it, nothing on it. So you get that. Because expectations, oh, they can be a problem. When I counsel people in my friend of the friendless uh, counseling center, which is at the mall, just on a bench, it's not formal. Um, a lot of people say, oh, my friends, they've let me down. I go, they can only let you down if you had what? They can only let you down if you expected them to what? Hey, just be patient. This is free. You're sitting on a bench in the mall. I'm not a, a dot. This isn't a counseling session. Give me a minute to noodle it through. But I know there's something off because I know the person that you're talking about. And, um, you know, they're, they're just fine. They must have had a bad day. And they maybe they did, didn't just weren't as patient with you as you would like. What did you ask them to do that they wouldn't do? Oh, I asked them to give me $100 million a day of second. Oh, that's a lot to ask. So I don't know. Yeah, that, maybe they didn't even have it. That's people have asked me before like that. Say, could you loan me? And I go, I'm going to stop you right there. Because I, uh, I wonder what the next thing out of your mouth is going to be. If it's money, no, I just don't have it. If it's, let me see, what do I have? What do I have a lot of? Oh, I know what I have a lot of. I have this uh, kombu dashi powder. Seaweed stock. I could loan you a whole envelope of that. And that's a great thing to add to your regular stock. Let's say you're making regular vegetable stock because you're having friends over. I don't have any friends. That's why I'm listening to your tape. Hang on. It's not in order. You're having friends over. And so you're making some vegetarian soup stock. I start by charring some of the vegetables. I'll take the onion and I'll burn it. Like kind of sear it in a skillet. And I'll do the same thing with carrots. I'll sear them. And that adds some uh, color to my vegetarian vegetable stock. And make it 
Richard, then I boil the vegetables in there. Okay. Just again, you sear your onion and your carrot before you you put them in there. And that'll get you. Will that get you, friends? Listen, this isn't about answers. It's about process. And you're going to find that during your lessons, certain things are going to resonate with you and certain things are going to pass right through you. And then certain things are going to get stuck to you. And then certain things are going to get stuck to that. So that's the way that, that's the tar and feather principle. But it's also the principle of, of a lot of candies that you first you roll in something gooky and then peanuts. So if you're allergic to it, I'm sorry, we could roll you in jimmies or whatever those little things that you sprinkle on ice cream are called. I don't know what part of the country you're from, so I can't speak to you in your special language. I don't know, you kept saying soda and I call it pop or, or, or bufo or something. I don't even know. Uh, I, don't, I didn't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry there's so many regional differences. One of the things that we're going to learn about in this tape is over looking some of those differences and how to communicate past these walls that we've erected by I've my I've come from a community that came up with a different word for everything just to cause confusion so that they'd be able to spot strangers so I know you're not from around here because you're using the wrong word for a can because we call it a you know shemp village or I don't know something weird Okay, well, that's how we know. Well, how am I going to overcome that? I can open my heart to you, can show you my vulnerability. I wonder if that's enough anymore. So I'm going to show you, oh, friend, I'm going to be kind to you and gentle, and I'll show you that I would be a good person to have around. So, but I'm looking for warriors. All right. So this might not be how to become a warrior friend. Well, that might be another tape where somebody's, I am looking for someone to crush the skulls of my enemies. All right. Are you are you up for that? I'm, I can make the pies. Will you all be eating, needing pies or anything? No, no. Don't you have any sort of uh, weapons like a shillelagh or a... A shillelagh? Well, I don't know, like a mace, like a club. <laughs> I don't know. Shillelagh, what are y'all, leprechauns? Shut up. So not that kind of thing. This will be more like friends that you see. Now, a lot of, not all religious organizations, but some of them, if you can get their bylaws before you go, some of them have to be your friend. That's like in their rules. So then you can, that's a kind of a legal way of doing it. You show up and you go and you wave the, you wave their theology at them. You wave the bylaws of their, denomination and you say i have it you people sign this contract and it says here that you have to befriend the friendless and i'm here to collect anybody want any pie something like that and um they'll go okay you got us you tricked us now you have to be now, don't go around, after that point, don't be as confrontational. Then you can dial it back a little bit. And then you say, what are y'all doing this weekend? Got plans? That's my new one. I forget to say that. Y'all got plans for the 
summer. I think you can do it every. I was at a party recently, and I wasn't asking enough questions. And someone next to me said to someone, uh, y'all got plans for the summer? And I was like, I'm stealing that one, except I'm changing the season. Y'all got plans for the spring? Like that. And I think you can use it. Y'all winter, got winter plans? I'm going to put it like that, flip it so they don't think I'm saying the same thing. And then every other fall, I'm going to say autumn. And they'll never catch on. But then that way, I can hear what's going on. Maybe I can be a better friend that way. So let's say I, you say, I say to you, what do y'all got plans for this summer? And they go, not really. We're going to, going out to California. We're going to Knott's Berry Farm. And then you say, you say, want to be a good friend? You go, I can get you in for free. Like that. And they go, what? No way, really? Now, you might have painted yourself into a corner if, in fact, that's not really true. Um, or maybe it's aspirational. They might think, oh, he knows somebody. But maybe you're just saying, I wish I could get you in for free. I used to have an old relative like that. used to say, if I had money, I'd buy you a house. Like, oh, gosh, what luck. Yep, I'd set you up, too. Right on a lake. <laughs> Thank you. You're certainly generous with money you don't have. So that's one way is empty promises. Well, they don't have to be empty. Then I guess you could, like, get on the phone and call Knott's Berry Farm and say, hey, I've talked myself. I have a bit of a jam. <laughs> I've done a silly, stupid thing. And I'm sure this happens to you all all the time. So I have friends that are coming out there to go to uh, your park. And um, I, I just blurted out that I could get them in for free. And I was wondering if... No, this isn't Shelley Berman. I was wondering if I could, uh, there was a way that I could, uh, no, all right, well, thank you. Um, I guess that was Shelley Berman. He, I, now, I don't know if his records tell you how to be people's friends. I'm going to have to go back and listen. I'm not sure there's, do you think there's secret messages in comedy records? And... They're really telling you how to make friends and everything. Maybe by negative example. Uh, the, yeah, I have a Rudy Ray Moore album called Don't Be Like Me. <laughs> well, you could. I mean, if it depends what kind of friends you're trying to make. Um, Red Fox's big list of things not to say at parties. I have that one. That's a good one. He, he didn't call it that. But it turns out to be like that. Now, I'll tell you, comedy albums, they're a fun thing. I wonder if they, do they play those a lot on this radio station? I think, uh, the, uh, pitch that one. <laughs> yes, Ken, I'm thinking I'm going to do a show. It's just classic comedy albums. Say so you have a cut, you have a Robin Williams cut, followed by a Bob Newhart cut, followed by, I don't know, maybe... Uh, a Harry Shearer credibility gap cut, and then just all but to a lot, but mostly stand up. George Carlin's a favorite, and then we just have different cuts of that and everything. No, so um, that's actually an old Harry Shearer. They actually did a skit like that about it was best of stand up, stand up comics favorite hits or something on the record. But that doesn't seem outlandish to me. That seems like something that would exist. So I didn't laugh when I heard it. Because I thought, oh, that's just an idea. It's not an absurd idea. 
But then maybe they do the impressions and you go, wow, that sounds just like Mort Saul. You do a wicked Mort Saul. He's put in his place. I don't know a lot of the uh, comedians now. There used to be, here's the difference. So in the 1970s, I'm just looking at my, my, um, my people's almanac here. It says in the 1970s, there were 11 comedians. As opposed to today, where there are, listen to this, 58,000 per state. Per state of the union. So I don't even know what the math is there, but then that's a lot of stand-up comics. And it used to be like you could, you could maybe name them. You go, oh, one of them's David Brenner. Now, oh my gosh. Now, why do we have so many? Why the proliferation? Why are there many, you say, name, back in the day, you could name probably dozens of plate twirling acts. Say, I'm going to, who's your favorite plate twirler? And they go, oh, gosh, I don't know, you know, the, the Gemini brothers or something. But now, say, name a plate twirler. Blah, duh, blah. I do that on the streets. I have this show where I go out and, I, and I'll say that to people. I'll go, name, you know, name five women directors, I'll say to them. And, uh, and then I'll mock them uh, if they can't. It's funny how obsessed with movies we are. I'm obsessed with movies. And uh, I'm not obsessed with any one movie. I don't really watch them. I guess it's just the idea of all those pictures going by so fast. And that's not even how they do it anymore. So now that I've actually... I, I've actually understood how it goes, you know, that the camera's flickering, because I have a projector here that I have on because I want to get into the... Sometimes I just want my house to be like Sunset Boulevard, and I want it to be a projector going and a wheezing old pipe organ and just a stale kind of fetid smell in the air, you know of something past its prime, of, of sort of hopelessness, of tragedy, of, of self-deception, that kind of heavy, uh, bleak atmosphere. I like it. I just like it. It cheers me. It's just fun. I like to do things like that. Like I have, if I had rooms, if I had a lot of rooms in my house, I would have it based on, like, Mad Ludwig's castle. So Mad Ludwig was a Bavarian Ludwig who lived in Bavaria. And he lived in a castle, and he made a big castle, and he was a fan of opera, which they had back then. And he would make his individual rooms. This may not be him. It might be, I might be thinking of another Ludwig. Individual rooms into opera-themed themes areas. So, for example, you'd watch, you'd walk into one room and it'd be all cliffs or an ocean or something like that. I guess he had holodeck technology. I don't know. Some of it was probably just done with uh, papier-mâché. I don't know how these sets are made. I'd love to get a glimpse behind the scenes in Hollywood and say, how do you make the sets? And they go, well, we don't anymore. It's all just, it's all just that LCD screen stuff.
Next question. Oh, nothing. I'm good. Because I, I long for the day where you, you look and say, is that a house? You go, yes. Made of balsa wood. Don't, don't sneeze. And the reason it's made of balsa wood is one of our fellas is going to fall into it. And it may, ah, and he doesn't want to really hurt himself. So we've made it out of the stuff they make, those planes that fly around the mall that you can buy. They are made of plastic now, I think. And maybe the houses are, too, on the, on the sets. One of the steps to, to making and keeping friends, and when I say keeping friends, because um, you, once you make them, don't you keep Oh. No, it's like you get a dog, but then the actual getting along with the dog and caring for it, that's complicated. There's all sorts of things, and you have to be flexible, and stuff comes up. You have to adjust your strategies. So what is the thing, though, that makes it worth it? What is the anchor? What is the... Friendships aren't like a marriage. You know, you get something formalized, and you go, here we go, and we're signing a contract. It's just like that church I told you about. Signing a contract, you got to love me. So at least you have that. And then you go before a bunch of people, and you say... Now, remember, we remember how in love we were? So, but our friendship's like that. Can they be like that? Say, um, well, there's all sorts of things. They can be maced up. Uh, let's say you have a first meeting. You meet somebody at an event, and it's very special, and you have a shared experience that's profound or memorable. That's a good way to start a friendship. Then there's ways that maybe you bump into somebody every day in a banal way. And then you just start becoming familiar with them and talking and you get used to them and that's a friendship. And then there's all sorts of things like that. I'm going to call somebody that I used to hang out with and see if uh, what they're up to. Hello? Yes, um, this is Hardy White. I used to be friends with somebody called uh, Mitchell. I was wondering, if, is Mitchell there? Hang on. All right. Mitch, is someone on the phone? Uh, uh, if it's any trouble. Hello, this is Mitchell. Hi, Mitchell. It's Hardy. Uh, I'm sorry to disturb you. Hello. So that don't. No, you can't fear rejection if you're going to be able to put your heart out there and and try to make friends. I don't take things. I try not to take things personally. A lot of times I have to because people are saying, "I mean you, Hardy. You, you personally. I hate you. You. <laughs> well, I hate you. And everything. I know you. I know about you. I've watched you for years, and I hate you. Well, but." Do you really know me? Yes, I know you well. I detest you. Yeah, who though? You don't know me. I hate you. Yes, Hardy. Um, still, I refuse to take it personally. Because I'm thinking, how could they really know <laughs> what my intentions are? And I realize intentions are, if you've done something terrible, it doesn't matter what your intentions are. And I'm sure that at some point, I've said something out of ignorance that's hurtful, or I, I thought it, I meant one thing and it meant something else, and then it's hurtful, or my ignorance is disappointing or damaging to somebody. And uh, there's a couple of ways to 
to deal with that. One is to go, I don't care. The one is not to care. But I think that makes me careless, and I'm more liable to do something harmful if I'm not paying attention. On the other hand, I may not do anything if I fear my um, inability to do it perfectly. So some things are so important to be done, like to, I think, to show kindness and everything, to be helpful. They're so important that you can do them imperfectly. Um, you know, you, sometimes you just need warm bodies to show up and do a thing to be helpful. And you don't need experts or something. Well, I don't, I'm not going to volunteer to help because I don't have, I'm not a surgeon. Well, we need all sorts of people. You don't need to be a surgeon to help, to be helpful. You can just be a person who can follow directions. Oh, I'm out. No, well, you don't even have to be able to follow directions well. You can do, uh, oh, gosh. You're, you're helping even when you're not doing some grand gesture, you know, like one, one heart. And, and you don't have to be friends with somebody forever to... Sometimes I've felt like, and maybe this doesn't count as friendship to everybody, that a moment of kindness or a small interaction or being recognized as a human being in some way, like if I'm feeling vulnerable, if I'm sick or I'm lost, that affects my worldview. So if I'm lost and scared or something in your city and you go, Hey, can I help you, buddy? Hey, buddy, over here, you blah, blah. I go, oh, my friend, thank you. I don't want to talk about it. No, my friend, oh, I love you. No, no, stop. So we're still friends, and that person has still done something profound uh, for me. And they've witnessed, they've uh, demonstrated that human beings can be kind or compassionate or something or can show a connection. And sometimes you only need it for a second like that to do an immense amount of good. Oh, can you imagine that going out like that and just doing... Sometimes if you set out to do something, though, you might do it wrong. So I watch a lot of videos um, because they're short. And sometimes I can't do a whole TV show. God, when I was young, I could do an entire Gomer pile. Beginning to end, through the commercials. Now I can't. I guess it was the compelling storylines. But now I go in and I watch the videos sometimes. And I like to, my, one of my favorites is like they'll compare martial arts or something. And that is, wow, that, that is always good for something. Well, you can do that endlessly and never be done doing it, comparing martial arts. But, well, there was one about self-defense and somebody said, the worst thing you can do in self-defense is use your martial arts. I go, oh, man, that's counter. It's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? But I could see where, uh, you know, you might need to do something unconventional or there might be something you can't plan for like that, and there's no set of skills that you can go into all battles and have and plan for everything. Sometimes you just got to wing it, and relationships are like that, too. I don't think there's any way to do them completely, um, perfectly, without messing up. And so forgiveness has got to be in there, too. So I'm going to cut. I say it's cutting, you know, it's cutting some slack to people. 
Now, don't cut so much slack you feel taken advantage of. That's the thing. Don't cut slack if you're gonna if you're gonna complain about it later. You know, I just I just have to put up so much. I have to put up with so much with them, and they I don't I don't blah, blah, blah. don't do that. You're gonna make yourself all bitter and everything like that. It's better to be frank. You know, just say stuff. Because, oh, it's that that resentment and everything that builds up. Oh, don't let it do it. Oh, you consume. Then you get you get angry, and then you turn it on yourself. The anger is always going to fester like acid in you. You take acid into you. It's going to burn. There's no getting around it. That kind of bitterness and resentment, there's no way to, you can't swallow it like a hand grenade, and then it goes off, and everything is fine. It's going to eat you. It's going to eat whatever it gets into. So just don't take it in. Don't take in that kind of uh, resentment. If you've got it to, well, I don't want to complain a lot. Well, you know, complain and then at the same, work on it as you're complaining. Work on acceptance. But if you, you know, if you just suck it up, you're going to just be so full of bile. Mmm, bile we need, I, under, I understand. I learned about, I think, figurative bile before literal bile. So I was like, oh, is that we have bile ducts? All these, these humors, are they fluids or are they emotions? That's, our ancestors have confused me. Oh, yes, the humors are coursing through our veins. Oh, your emotions sometimes have corresponding viscous, smelly liquids that go with them. Are they? Which one am I oozing now? What's seeping out of me now? Oh, it's my bitter resentment. Look at it. I'm like a background character in a Lynch movie. Drooling some kind of substance out of my mouth. Oh, wallowing in my own sick. How are you? I didn't even say hello, my goodness. I forgot to start the tape with a greeting. I went right into it. This is so friendly. I want to be more friendly. Say, so how can I be friendly and welcoming? I think the more I do it, the more I want to be uh, friendly. My mood tends to change if I artificially elevate it sometimes. Oh, I'm feeling kind of low, and yet I got to go be a birthday clown. And it helps to draw the smile on. I go, well, that'll save me something because. Uh, uh, it hurts to smile, but now I've got it drawn on. And who doesn't laugh at a funny drawn-on smile? Universally amusing, isn't it? Show up at a party? No, I'm not that kind of clown. I do some kind of really ancient clowning. And the makeup is sort of, is sort of hideous. And I'm, just, I'm more dressed like some sort of straw horse or something like that. And there's a kind of a fifey kind of sound going on. And it's very, it's kind of disconcerting. It goes back to medieval times in my small village that I'm from. And um, uh, it's, it's called the chasing of the, of the uh, wee demons. And we chase the wee demons through the field. They're little tiny, I don't know, they're little demonic creatures. I don't know if they're fully human or anything. Their faces are sort of smooth. And we chase them, and it's so much fun, and we have food, and um, 
There's a three-legged race for those who have three legs. Some of the demons have three legs. And there's just a, it's a lot of fun. There's beans. I don't know what else do you have at these kind of events. I have a distinct memory, and it came back the other night because I was eating, I was eating corn on the cob. And there was a, a uh, like a barbecue cookout at a neighbor's house who lived like right behind us or something. And um, that was back when you knew your neighbors. I know my neighbors. Oh, okay. It's back when I knew my neighbors. And uh, I have never, my neighbor now just has a cookout and they're over there laughing. And I look at them and I go, they look like my friends too. Sometimes they are my friends. I'm going to get invited. So they had this cookout and I was maybe, I don't know if I was five years old, but I had just lost a tooth, maybe a front one or something, and I couldn't eat the corn. And I had never really thought about it until I went to eat it, and then I didn't have my teeth. And I couldn't eat the corn on the cob. And uh, I remember there was a, a cute old lady there. She goes, wait right here. And she went, and she got a huge machete. And she took all that, took the kernels right off the cob like that. And a little bit. I remember she took a bit of her thumb off with it and said, it's okay. It's food, she said like that. And then she gave me the little kernels all mixed up in a bowl with her with some of her thumb skin. And I just remember it was a summer's day and all the rest of the smells. You know how it is. And mow the lawn. You go, was there some kind of onion weed in that lawn? Because now it smells like grass and onion and corn. It could be corn. It could be sneeze. Sometimes sneeze smells like that. And all those memories coming back like that, and just the friendship. I know that's not a real friendship. You said that doesn't count. I'm thinking now that I'm going through my friends, what about your friends on social media? They got, that's in quotes, huh? How many friends do you have? Thousands. Really? I have thousands of friends. Who's this one? No clue. Okay, who's this one? No clue. Who's this one? Not a real person. So I guess they're not, I don't know if they're real friends, but it's nice. I like the idea that I could quantify, you know, how many friends do you have? Well, it says here. On another one, it says followers. I like that, too. I want, do I want friends or followers? Hmm. I got to think about that. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't want followers. Where are they going to follow me? Would I have to lead somewhere? Do I have to go somewhere? I'm not going to go anywhere. Every once in a while, you turn around and go, I'm sorry. I'm telling you again, friends, uh, you're really, you're, Time is better spent somewhere else. They think that too, though. Say, so we're not literally followers. My band, that happened to my band once. We were in another town, and, and my drummer comes in, and he goes, Hey, I just met this fella, Jimmy. He's a fan of ours. And he goes, No, I'm not. I just, I know who you are. <laughs> he said that, something like that. And I went, Oh, that's good. Good. Because maybe you'd say, if we got in a, now if we get in a fight in a bar or something, maybe you'll be on our side. And uh, you don't have to like the music. I don't like it either. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't like it either. I always want to bond with people like that. You know, you, do, do, do you like my band? No. <sighs> Come here. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither, man. So I think we're, I feel like we're, we're friends. Are we friends? No. All right. Okay. Well, cool. Peace.
I don't know whether I have a low bot. It's like uh, getting a job somewhere. Some places are exclusive or schools. That's a better thing. Where am I? I'm like, am I like a state? I'm more like a for-profit school. No, I'm not. No, I'm like, what's an easy school to get in? When they have to, one of those have to let you in schools. That's me. Sure. We'll be friends. The thing is that I'm pretty, I'm probably not a great friend because I'm of my bad memory and stuff like that. So it's not people aren't clamoring. Go, yeah, well, being Hardy's friend is a double-edged spoon, is it? Yeah, you know. You go, how's that? Explain to me, a double-edged spoon. Well, you know, it can scoop up ice cream, but it cuts your lip. Oh, all right, so there's a downside. It's not a downside, it's just, it's annoying. Okay. You know, things, some things are an annoyance. They're not really bad. Yeah. So he's just an annoying friend. Am I your annoying radio friend? I wonder about that. So I got my friend to listen to your show, and it was just one of those that was out of character, and now our our friendship is damaged. I don't think that's true, because I've had friends say, you've got to hear, you've got to see this television show. Oh, all right, it's brilliant. All right, and then you watch it, and you go, oh, I'm worried about my friend. But uh, bands, that happens to that, you must hear this. You must see this movie. Okay. And then you watch the movie and you go, uh-oh, I wonder, is it me? It's circumstance, too, because I remember if you watch something and let's say you're in pain. You know, let's say you're sick or something and you're watching. It really does affect your attitude. Your attitude's always affected by physical things. And I'm trying to understand that when it comes to other people. I, I really do. I think, you know... Not everybody's feeling great all the time. And maybe somebody's, you know, trying hard to act or feel normal when it's a struggle. And I'm going to be extra gentle. I just don't think cruel is a good default. Just walking around indifferent to other people's sufferings. I don't feel obligated to solve everybody's problems or to be a savior or anything. But I don't mind being a gentle neighbor. I don't mind being someone who's a, 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 a concerned a fellow something or other walking around. I don't even know what you want to call it. But I don't mind looking out for strangers if they don't mind looking out for me. I don't mind giving people the benefit of the doubt. I don't mind. And I think all that's required of me is maybe I not be ignorant. Not be ignorant to the fact that human beings suffer. Not being ignorant to the fact that all of our brains work a little bit differently. Not being ignorant to the fact that circumstance and experience can shape us in ways that are unimaginable. Oh, there are humans that have experienced things that you probably will never experience and many that you should be grateful until your dying day that you will not experience. Oh, the horrors that can befall human beings. Oh, the pain that's possible in the human heart. Oh, the struggles of the mind. Oh, the costs of the emotions. 
They're big. And they affect us. And we're all going through things. And these lives are short. Oh my gosh, it's fleeting. I don't want to add to anybody's burden unnecessarily. It is not up to me to punish. It's not up to me to give somebody a hard time. I'll tell you what. I don't let strangers tell me how to treat strangers. If you say to me, I got to be cruel to my neighbor because it's something they might be thinking or doing or so. Oh, I'm suspicious. I am suspicious if you want me to be uh, cruel or hurtful to somebody. I'm all, I'm all, I'm going to say, wait a minute. Why? What's going on? What makes you so quick to devalue one of the most precious things there is? Oh, human life. Go around treating it with such casualness as if things are going to be here forever. We're going to be here forever. Oh, and I got to tell you, oh, there are treasures. There are treasures in life for those whose eyes are open. There are treasures in life for those who are willing to face the reality of the pain and suffering of others. They will receive a key to joy, the key to the infinity of moments. Oh, if you can release the uh, absolute timelessness in the present, and if you can connect with others, and they suddenly, they suddenly feel their burdens float away for a minute. There's a there's a a, a sensation of emotional weightlessness, and I've experienced that with groups of people where we feel safe in one another's company, where we feel some sort of love or care in each other's presence, and there is a sort of floating for a moment where everything seems okay cosmically. Okay, free, safe. Oh, and we're connected like that. And I think we can do it on the radio a bit. Because right now, it's just, just as an experiment. You know, if you have a tender heart like that, oh, I'm not saying you're not uh, capable of inflicting pain or that you're not incapable of anger, that you're not a powerful person. You might be. You might very well be. That doesn't mean you're not, but if you're also capable of feeling and understanding of deep feeling and deep love, if you are, and deep understanding of how difficult this journey can be, if you know that right now, I want you to visualize all the others who know that we're here. Think about us for a minute. Let's all think about one another for a minute. Oh, it's a bigger number than you thought, isn't it? It's almost everybody listening. Oh, I'll tell you, even when there is cruelty and those who are listening, sometimes it's a passing thing and it's a, a lashing out in anger. Some people feel vulnerable and they feel anger and they're experiencing injustice. And when they feel that, oh, I'm going to make people pay. You feel that. 
And I'm going to, maybe right now, I'm with my mind. I want to hold you until your rage subsides. Go ahead, scream. I'm holding you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. But I got you. It's all right. Scream it. Oh, the injustice. I feel it. I feel it deep in your bones. The fear, the rage, the anger. You have love in your heart. They don't understand uh, your, your, your love, your compassion, your capabilities. You're misunderstood. Get it out. I'm here with you. I understand. I understand that you understand, too. Oh, and we will hold each other in our minds like this for a minute. And then I'm going to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit more about my little Gollum family that I'm kind of advertising here. Now, a lot of times they say you don't want to put life into inanimate objects and make them come alive and dance around like that. I do that um, for a magic trick. You know, I'll say, bring me an object. Somebody bring me a hammer or a cup or something, and I'll make it sentient. It'll get up and it'll dance around and it'll talk for a while, and then it'll fall back dead. Again, and people say, how did you do that? And I go, well, I gave it life. And they go, well, where did the life go? And they say, well, it, it went where it came from. And they say, how do you do that? And that gets a little weird. And say, what is animating the thing? What is making the golem get up and dance around? You said you wrote, you wrote truth on it, and then you erased a letter, and, and it's spelled dead. Is that all there is to it? Is truth life? Is truth, is truth and death this almost the same thing? Is death truth? Is that what you're saying? Is that the reality? Is our temporary nature, are we already dead? Is that the truth? What are you saying, Hardy? I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. I'll tell you why. I was watching one of, they've got this uh, TV channel now that's all these old-time television shows that I grew up with. And so I'll be watching them and I'll have these memories of my mother screaming my name in anger or something like that. And it just all comes flooding back to me. I'll say, I remember that old actor or, oh my God, I can't believe I thought that person was funny ever. And now I'm, I'm, I can't stand to even see them. Oh, how did that act? How did people not think that was racist? I say that mostly on the old Carsons. I go, how is that not Okay. So, um, oh my gosh, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> a lot of times people say, you couldn't say that nowadays. So thank God, gosh, I think about that with the Inquisition. Yeah, you can't, you couldn't do that nowadays. You couldn't stick a pyramid up someone's butt to make them believe something else. You couldn't, you can't, you can't get away with that nowadays. You'd be, uh, you'd be ostracized for it. Yeah, gosh, it is nice sometimes we, we get more civilized and uh i like that I mean, who wants to be watching a show and they're and they're demeaning your humanity or something <laughs> have, i mean to turn on you have you seen this hardy white have you seen this this guy was stupid uh, you know like is, it, well, is even a person like us is hardy white and um they go, well, that, is that funny? I mean, is that necessary? <laughs> is it necessary that people uh, mock and deride and hate me 
for you to get a laugh and to get money. And I'm thinking, no, that is not necessary. I don't like that. So uh, I'm glad some of that's, uh, a bit of that's gone. And it's like, what if, a, what if, uh, what if all people really down on their luck had a jester, not kings? Everything got flipped. So when you're at your worst, like you're in court, you know, and you're getting all your, everything's bankrupt and getting everything taken away from you. And they have somebody like an abusive comedian come out and like mock you. It's the jester of the vulnerable. Look at this guy over here. He lost everything. You know, that kind of thing. So the, I guess because the, the king got tired of it, said, I'm done. You go mock, mock people that can't do anything about it. So, uh, but that's sort of a, that's not where I'm coming from. Oh, do I make fun of the powerful? I, I don't know. Do I? I, I can't think of, nah, I don't know. I want you to be powerful. I'm, I'm more concerned with you. That's why I keep talking. You, I've mentioned, who's the, who, what person is mentioned more than any on this show? You. I mention you. Well, you don't know me. Well, I do and I don't. Because I... I understand uh, what it's like to be alive and to be human. And I'm using myself as a sort of laboratory. You can tell because there's a vaguely medicinal odor to me, like a real lab. Yeah. What is that? Is that some kind of preservative? Do you have, a, you have a pig fetus in a jar, don't you? No, I just have that outside the restaurant to let people know what's what, and it's fake. Fake food. Everything outside is fake food. Well, it's not. There's all medical things in jars. That's not food. Well, it's fake. It's not food, but it's fake. I like fake things. And you know that. And uh, I feel like I'm fake. So I especially like that. And uh, PH is for fake, my movie that I'm doing. Very excited about. Um, and I, I think there's nothing wrong. So, um, fake it until you're comfortable. Not, and then, and then you can keep fake. If you want to keep faking, especially if you're in show business, there, at no point do you have to stop faking. Say fake it till you make it. Nope. Got to, once you make it, you got to, and then you got to fake with greater authenticity. Then actually the faking bar has been raised. You got to fake at expert level. Are you ready for that? I don't know. I don't know if I want to make it on my faking reputation. There, that's what I'm saying. Okay, I'm going to do some impressions now. I want to, I'm really going to try. I'm going to try to do some impressions. And uh, people go wrong doing this. And um, I can only do a handful of them. You already know them all. I wonder if I could do a new one. I haven't heard any new voices. There was a guy I heard on... There was a fellow on the Tonight Show who was talking like this. Which is funny. He said he was from Texas. But then he's talking like this. Like uh, kind of an Appalachian thing or something. I was looking for it all day long. <laughs> I don't know where you're from Texas for real. Uh, Johnny didn't like him. I guess he was like a local dude who had... Who had been in a bunch of movies just like uh if it was shot in that area he was in it because i guess he was local color or something and he had that weird kind of anyway 
Struther Martin thing going on. And uh, Johnny, you could tell Johnny didn't like him or something. Usually I thought he liked the just simple folk, but this guy was talking too much, I think. And I felt bad. I think, oh, God, what if that was me? And it can't be me because Johnny Carson's dead. Thank God. Because imagine if I had to go on the show. How would that go? It might go something like this. No, wait, wait. Uh, this next young man, uh, this, this next young man is, uh, is, uh, is terrific. I did not know that. Did you know there was uh, this next young man? Oh, yeah, here he is. Well, hello, everybody. Hi, John Carson, Fred and Lantry. I'm on the uh, Tonight Show. I can't hardly believe it. Now, where this guy went wrong, he kept saying, Can I wave to my kid? And Johnny's going, Oh, God, just do it. Why do you keep asking? What is, is this an act? I think he didn't like that. He's like, Is this guy on? Just be yourself. That's a problem I'd have is, hey, John, I'm just going to be myself, so I'm going to get real quiet inexplicably. And then you just keep going, are you okay? Are you okay? Like that. Are you all right? I'm fine. Go on. Talk about that stuff you want to talk about. I guess that's not how the talk show works. Well, I'd have to tout my show or something. I'd say, tell us about your WFMU show. Oh, all right. Well, I'll tell you what. I just go on there, and sometimes a uh I hear you. Do you just ramble? No, I don't just ramble. What do you mean ramble? That you imply I'm not. I'm not saying anything or doing anything. No, it's cogent. It's planned, and it has structure. For instance, if I'm doing a tape about how to make and keep friends, what I like to do is I like to go down many avenues. I like to walk around subjects. I like to touch on some main topics. And then I like to bring it back around, and then I will reveal that the entire visit has been a demonstration of how to make and keep friends. You see what I've done? Now, it might not be just to talk straight like that, but what I was doing is I was spending some time with you. I was investing in you, and you and I, me, that we were just being together without any expectations. And that's how you do it, without money or pies or anything like that to attract people over to your house, like a tiny railroad in the back that you can actually ride in. That'd be great. But real friends respond to that investment of time. And the time can be doing anything. I've made friends that at jobs that are terrible, you know, you both have to stand there interminably doing something and you bond over it. They become friends. Friends you make working at the mall or something like that. Friends you have in school. Friends that you, you maybe you play music with them. Maybe you see somebody at a venue all the time and you finally got up the courage to talk to them because they look interesting. Friends you bump into outside your apartment building. All sorts of things. They're all friends. And it's all that time, those interactions, all those moments. That's what does it. And being receptive to them. Being open to them. Describing yourself and having one of those descriptors be friend. I am a friend. 
you can consider me one. I hope I'm one for you. I say the word a lot. I use it just as liberally as, uh, as the social medias. But unlike them, we do have some kind of connection. We do sort of know one another. Well, at least we both have an affection for radio. Yeah. Radio. It's magic. It takes my voice and it brings it to you in a way that no other medium does. It, 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 it beams it through the air. And nothing else gets beamed through the air like that when it goes through the air so you collect stuff. Because in that air are souls and poems and songs and thoughts and prayers. They're all floating around there. So when these words go through that, they collect that with them. They collect all this condensation of human experience. And then they go into you and you feel alive and you say, I am alive in this moment, for this moment at least. And all this stuff that's going on, I look into the eyes of another human being or I hear the voice of another human being or maybe I feel the touch of another human being and I'm elevated and I float outside of my body temporarily. Oh, it's magic. Oh, it's important. Oh, I'm not just here about talk about things to get you all riled up or get you all, it hardly gets me fired up. I'm here to uh, take your heart and elevate it and massage it and make it feel like it's light as a feather and make it feel sensitive to things and brighten it up. It's like when you get your glasses cleaned and you say, I see the world a little more clearly and crisply now. All the colors seem brighter. Everything seems sharper, more in focus. Oh, I hope I've done that for you today. Because I certainly do love you. And I do appreciate you. And I'm glad that we're both alive right now. And that won't always be the case. And so I'm smiling right now. And I got my arms around you. If you want them. If you don't like, that's fine too. I could stand on the other side of the room and give you one of them little salutes. And that's good too. And every moment we're together is good. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County and New York City, New York, and around the world on WFMU.org. Is that right? I said it so slowly I forgot. <laughs> I remember clergy saying that to me. If you're going to do, read everything, because there's nothing worse than forgetting a common prayer. You forget some prayer that you're supposed to know because you're saying it at a dumb speed and suddenly you can't remember it. Oh, then you're going to be embarrassed. All right. So go. All right. Well, I already did it. Okay, too late. Oh, my friends, I'm so glad that you visited with me again. Did you like it? Everything go all right? All right, well, all, if you have any complaints or suggestions, send them to call Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell, this is Mitchell. On the phone like that and tell him. And I don't know if he exists or not. Someone, said, someone named Mitchell's going, don't call me right now. 
All my friends, thank you for listening. Oh, and I'll see you again next week.
Thank you.